Hey everybody, welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bienvenidos en el nombre de Jesucristo. I want to welcome all of you across the Heritage Network as we once again just take a few moments to worship in song, to study God's Word, and to connect together even though we may be apart, connecting remotely. And even though this season has been unique, I am so grateful that God has continued to work in and through us as a church family, in our, our circles of life and influence. And as we continue that conversation here in a few moments, I actually want to pause before we get to worship, before we get to our time of study in God's Word, to just reflect on a few of the ways that God has been working in and through us as a church family, even as we continue to expand our circles of influence, our life in circles of conversation. So just sit back for a moment and just take in an appreciation the full breadth and width of some of the things God's been doing in and through us, in and through you as a church family together. Take a look. Again, I am truly grateful for all the ways that God is working in and through us as a church family. I'm super proud of you, Heritage, for the ways that you've continued to love, the ways that you've continued to sacrifice, even in the uniqueness of this season. And I know not, God's not done. He still has more for us to do. But I'm grateful for the ability to look back and see the ways that He's continued to allow us to represent Him in our relationships with each other, but also our relationships in our cities. And as we now take a moment to worship in song, to study His Word, to continue to lean into these next few moments, I want to invite you to consider the words of Psalm 28. To simply say, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust Him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Let's embrace those words and that posture as we come before Him in worship today. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
serás fiel eres tú tus promesas son sí y amén tus promesas son sí y amén friends. I am here at the Bridgepoint Prayer Levy, and this is actually one of my favorite spaces in all of the cities. 
Uh, when I'm here, I am reminded of you. And when I walk past these trees with these prayer tags, uh, I see how you have come and you have added your prayers to the prayers of the rest of the church family. And it's also a reminder of the importance of prayer, that we are able to lay our requests before the throne and we can lay our concerns both near and dear to our heart, but also concerns that are halfway across the world before the Lord and he hears us. Uh, when I walk this space, I actually am reminded of a really great rhythm uh, in prayer, and that is just simply to go on a prayer walk. And it's a rhythm actually that I would love to invite each of you into this next week. As you get out in God's creation and you just absorb the wonder of nature, it's such a great rhythm just to meet with the Lord in a special way. So I would encourage you, go on a walk, maybe around your neighborhood block. Go on a walk in a city park. Perhaps you come here to the prayer levy and just have a good walking conversation with Jesus. You know, last week, Pastor Sean talked about being wholly whole and how we need to pursue health in three key areas of our life, body, mind, and spirit. And I just think a prayer walk can accomplish all three of those things. It helps our body and the physical movement that we have, and it helps our mind. We get into a space of solitude where we're able to work through thoughts and, and ideas and emotions. We're also even able to get help for our spirit as we meet with Jesus and he fills us up and rejuvenates us. It's just a great, great time of worship. And so I would just encourage you, take a walk around your city block and pray, or for your neighborhood block, and just pray for your neighbors. Pray for the houses around you. Maybe go to a city park and pray in those spaces. Pray for the people that are actually utilizing the park, or, or maybe pray for our city civic leaders. Pray for peace and prosperity here in this area. But I would also encourage you, come here to Bridgepoint, to the prayer levy, and Add your tags to the trees and, and just join with us as we pray. And we'd be grateful if you would pray for Heritage Church. And maybe as you walk this levee, you see all these prayer requests. You pray with the church body. Here's the really beautiful thing. It doesn't matter where you go to walk. Jesus will be there with you. And you have this opportunity to worship him. And, and to just surrender yourself to him. It's a space where you can hand over all of your concerns, your fears, your stresses, your worries, but also to receive everything he has for you, his love and his strength and his peace. It is a great moment to allow your heart to cry out with the psalmist. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Take it 
Father, Son, and Spirit. We surrender our lives to you here today. God, we say here is all that we know of ourselves and we surrender it all to you. So God, use us. We want to be servants of you. We want to reflect you. We want to show you our love, our gratitude to you in all that we do. So continue to speak to us, God. We pray this all in your name. Hola familia, les saludamos en el nombre de Cristo Jesús. Hey Heritage family, we greet you in the name of Christ Jesus. Wherever you're at, however you're gathering in circles today, it is so good to be taking part in this next part of our Life in Circles conversation. I hope it's been meaningful for you and your family as it's been for me and mine and our circles of relationship as we've experienced God really ministering to us in our circles of intimacy, of our circles of uh, incarnation, and today, prayerfully, in our circles of influence. Some of you know some of my story about growing up uh, on a little ranch in Arizona, and I remember part of our regular kind of activities were moments when I, as the oldest sibling and oldest cousin, would have it as my job to keep all of the other kids occupied. In fact, that's what my grandma used to tell me. She'd say, Jer, it's time for you to keep the kids occupied, which was code for the grown-ups want to have a real conversation and we need you to go take the kids somewhere else. So I would. Now, I should mention that part of that Part of what was expected in that was not just keeping the kids occupied, but was bringing them all back safe and sound. Nobody wanted any of the kids scratched or dented in the amount of time that I was spending with them. So on this one particular day, I was about 11 or 12 at the time, and it, I was told, Jer, go keep the kids occupied. I remembered going out on a walk with one of my uncles and coming across this incredible find of fossils and animal bones and all the crazy stuff that little kids would really want to go see. So, without another word to a grown-up or anybody else, I gathered me and my brother and sister and three other cousins and we went for a walk. We walked across our little ranch through the barbed wire fence into a much larger ranch that a neighbor owned. And we kept walking and walking and walking until I realized we were supposed to be at that great space with all of those fossils and crazy amazing finds. And instead, I had no idea where we were. We had walked for a long time and I had no clue where we were. I knew where we were supposed to be, and I knew where we should end up, but I had no idea where we actually were or how to get back to where we started. We were lost in the desert. We were terrified, frustrated, and irritated. Well, mostly the other kids were irritated with me. I had no idea where we were. I think all of us have had moments like that where we have a destination in mind, we have something where we want to even share with others, but somehow along the way we get lost. We find ourselves in a space or a place that we never intended, not sure how we got there or even how to get back from where we came. And it's frustrating and frightening and irritating, and we just don't know what to do. Now, it didn't help that my little brother was one of the first ones to recognize that I had led us all astray, and he started to scream at the top of his lungs that we were all going to die out in the desert. 
I started to wonder if maybe I'd get in that much trouble if five instead of six of us made it home okay. Don't worry, we all made it home safe and sound, and I'll tell you how that came out a little bit later. But as I said, we all have moments in time where we feel a little bit lost, where we end up someplace we didn't intend. We feel that sometimes especially in the circles of relationship that we have. When it comes to our connection with God and others and our purpose, where we know there's something more, where we know we should be stepping into something greater, but we just don't know how. And when we look around us, we feel kind of lost. We have the same sense when it comes to our circles of relationships of influence with others. The people who are around us, looking to us to know where to go and how to get there. And it can feel frightening when we don't seem to have an answer. The reality is we're not the first or only ones ever to struggle with that sense of being on a journey and not sure how to get where we want to go. In fact, there's a group of Christ followers early on in the story of the church in a place called Galatia, where they know God has something incredible, something altogether different for them, that the life of Jesus for them is something they haven't even fully begun to imagine. The problem is they don't know how to receive it, how to get there. So their leader, a man named Paul, begins to have a conversation with them. And in that conversation, he reminds them and us that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. That the way of Jesus, this fullness of life that Jesus invites us into, is a new and living way towards something far greater than we could ever imagine on our own. And then he continues in that conversation with them in Galatians chapter 5. He says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, you have been called for something greater, but don't use that greater thing just for yourself. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, Watch out. Beware of destroying one another. There's this very real sense, not only here, but throughout all the scriptures. And something that you, that my, my family, my cousins, my brothers and sisters and I discovered on that one trek in the desert that we see laid out here in scripture as well. It's that we all have influence. We all have influence. No matter what, we all have influence in how we interact with God and in how we impact the people closest in and further out from us. We all have influence in how people experience the world and God's goodness in and through us. We all have influence. But the second thing that we see in the scripture there and that was on full display in that interaction in the desert is that as we all have influence. It's our actions, not our intentions, that set the course of our lives. It's our actions, not our intentions, that set the course we walk down. I never intended for us to find ourselves lost in the desert, but that's exactly where we ended up because of step after step, interaction after interaction, choice after choice that led us down a path that we never intended to go down. You see, it's our actions, not our intentions, that shift the course of our lives. And in the scripture here that, that Paul writes for us and for the Galatians, we see that on full display, that all of us have influence, and the actions we choose, the actions that we take, they can actually lead us more and more into the goodness and wonderful things that God has for us, or they can lead us down a path where we feel lost, frustrated, scared, and actually further away from what God intended for us. The ripple of that is huge because it doesn't just impact us. 
In fact, the writer says that how we use the life that Jesus has given us, the freedom that he's offered us, really should be used to help other people experience the love and freedom of Jesus. Not to devour one another, not to make the most for ourselves, but actually to interact with others in a way where they experience the fullness of life, the being wholly whole that Pastor Sean talked about last week. Our actions help us move in that direction or away from it. You know, another, another way to look at it is this way. It's to say it this way, that decision, not desire, sets our direction. The, the decisions we make, not what we want, actually move us more into what God has for us and others or further away from it. In fact, throughout the scriptures, there's this real sense that you and I are either actively engaging in more and more of the goodness of God. We're actively part of helping other people experience his love and his life and his freedom and his justice, or we're standing in opposition to it. That there isn't some middle ground where we can just sit back and wait and see what happens. That not deciding is a decision in that case. Decision, not desire, sets our direction. My desire was to help my brother and sister and cousins experience something incredible and unforgettable. They experienced something unforgettable, all right. But the decisions I made along the way led us further away from what we really wanted, what really had been the design for that day all along. We see that in each of us for Uh, all of us in and through our lives as we look at how we interact with one another and the decisions that we make. The bad news is this. If we're honest, we are really terrible at making decisions. We make some really poor decisions as people. In fact, in one space in scripture, the writer says that the, the human heart is deceitful above everything. How can we even hope to understand it? That the, the very thing that some of us use to make all of our decisions can sometimes deceive us. That's the bad news. The good news is this, that Jesus is a phenomenal decision maker, that Jesus actually gives us the spirit of wisdom, that he leads us down paths that we would never even know to choose for ourselves. You see, the good news is that Jesus gives us himself, he gives us his spirit, and he gives us one another these circles of influence where we influence others and they influence us toward the freedom and goodness and fullness of life that Jesus made us for all along. Now, if you've been in our Discover Heritage conversations, you've heard me share this before, but listen in. When my wife Sarah and I were expecting our second child, uh, we knew that our laundry quotient was gonna go up exponentially. We had, up until that point, been spending, you know, a part of a day in the laundromat every week with our, our little girl and each other. And, you know, it was kind of quality family time in the laundromat. But we were smart enough to realize that something about having a second baby in the house meant our laundry needs would go up tenfold. So we started to shop for a washing machine. I remember going to the store one night and talking to the, the salesperson at the big box store when he saw us looking at a couple of different washing machines. One was the one that I was looking at. I was over in that scratched and dent section where things were a little less expensive and my wife was over looking at something a little shinier, newer and not as inexpensive. So the salesperson came over to me and he asked me if I knew what the difference was between the two different machines. I jokingly answered about $600. That's not the answer he was looking for. What he began to explain to me was that the one machine I was looking at, if you lifted the lid and peeked inside, you would see this post with fins attached to it. And he asked if I knew what that was called and I didn't. He told me it's the agitator. And the job of the agitator is really if you put in enough water, enough detergent, and enough energy, that agitator can beat the dirt off of your clothes. Then he walked us over to the other model, and he opened it up and had me peek inside and asked if I noticed anything missing. Sure enough, there was no agitator in there. There was no post with fins attached to it. 
and he asked me if I knew how this machine worked, and I told him I didn't know. So then he began to explain that in this machine, with just a little bit of soap and a little bit of water and a little bit of energy, the way it had been engineered, the clothes actually rubbed up against one another, that they preserved each other. It wasn't as hard on them as they were in that machine. And more than that, they cleaned one another, that all of those clothes were actually better for having been in that machine together. Now, I know our life isn't a machine, and the life in circles that we live is, is a whole lot different than a washer. But the truth is, there are some of us who we really want to be the agitator in life. We want to be the one who helps direct all of the things and be the person who tells people what to do and reminds them of where they need to get things right. Some of us have had experience with agitators in our own world in our own life in these days where it just doesn't feel very good and it's not it's not really a great way to live and abide and then there are those of us who have been fortunate enough to live in a circle of relationship where we know undeniably that we're for each other that we're better together that all of us are striving toward the same goal together and we experience something beautiful something incredible as we live life in circles together. This, in a sense, is the invitation of the Apostle Paul in Galatians, that we should choose what is best for one another, that we choose the way of love, not what a single individual designs or desires, not what one person would, would set as a trajectory, but what all of us together would choose, what all of us together would move into the goodness and life and wholeness that Jesus has for us. If we're in a space where we actually find ourselves more focused on building what we can get only for ourselves, it actually indicates that something is broken deep inside of us. Something is fractured that Jesus wants to bring into wholeness. And next week, we'll be talking more about how it is that you and I can experience the healing and wholeness that Jesus invites us into. But the hopeful truth for all of us is this, that there is no decision, there is no action, there's no direction that we've taken that Jesus cannot step into and redirect. There's nothing that we've done that is beyond the hope of redemption of Jesus as difficult and painful, as scary and frustrating as it can be, Jesus can interact with us in the course of our life where we're at right now. And he can move us to change course so that we end up moving in a circle of relationship with others toward that thing that he implanted in our hearts all along, that place of life overwhelming in fullness, that place where we are connecting with God and others and our purpose in a way we never would have designed for ourselves. Jesus can do that. And it simply begins with you and I choosing to step into relationship with him, asking him to be the one who sets the course of our lives, asking him to be the one who gives us wisdom and decision, who leads our actions. Because after all, remember, actions, not intentions, set the course of our lives. That decision, not desire, sets our direction. And this decision, this action of stepping into relationship with Jesus in a circle of connection with him changes everything. And then we begin to see that our circles of influence, how we help other people encounter and experience the goodness of God, oh, it's like nothing we ever imagined. God has more for you and for me as we choose to pursue him, as we choose to follow him in the path that he leads us on. The reality is that in our own lives, in our circles of relationship, there is no one better positioned than you are to offer the hope, the healing, the truth in love of Jesus in your circles of influence. There's no one better position than you are in where God has placed you to be someone who helps people encounter Jesus in his truth, his love, his hope, his justice, and his goodness. And you and I, wherever we are, can make decisions. We can take actions right now, today, 
but help people encounter more and more of that. There's a passage of scripture in the book of Proverbs, which is really just a, it's a book of conversation around wisdom, how to make the decisions that lead us into the place we were meant to go, how to, how to live in a space where we take the actions that move us into the space where God has designed us to go. And toward the end of that conversation in Proverbs 31, there's a man of great influence who is trying to tell those who will come after him how it is that they should use the influence God has given them, what it is that they should do so that they experience the freedom and fullness of life in Jesus, the freedom and fullness of what God has, and those around them can as well. And here's what he says. It's in Proverbs 31, verse 8. He says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. It's the same conversation that Paul had with the Galatians. He's saying it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, that the work of Jesus, the opportunity to live in circles of influence is so that we can take the hope and life that he offers and offer it to others, to speak for the oppressed, to offer justice and freedom. This is our call. And on this Independence Day weekend, there's no better way to live out the freedom of Jesus than offering freedom to others, than choosing to see people where they are as God sees them, and saying, we will give voice to the voiceless. We will lift up the oppressed. We will give strength to the crushed in very real, very tangible, immediate ways, whether it's looking someone in the eye or saying a prayer or offering to help meet a need, we can do that even today. And the impact of that is so far beyond anything we would imagine for ourselves because the influence we have is greater than any of us is aware of as we choose the action and the decision, the direction that God has for us. Oh, friends, if we, could, if we could see the path that God has laid out for us as we live in these circles of influence, we would see that it is one of adventure and purpose and meaning. It is one where we encounter and experience what our hearts long for, a place of unity and love, of selflessness and opportunity. And we all get to live and pursue in that way together. It is the new and living way of Jesus. As I mentioned earlier, eventually we all made it home. <laughs> all I can say is that it was the group of us together who started to survey where we were as we were lost out there, this group of six in the desert, and started to look on the horizon for things that looked kind of familiar to us. And as silly as it was, there was one old kind of derelict windmill off in the distance that we recognized as something on the land of one of our neighbors. So we began to walk in that direction, and we found our way home. Now, I tried to get my cousins and my siblings not to tell any of the grown-ups what happened, but they didn't, they didn't listen to that. <laughs> and it was a long time before I was invited to keep the kids occupied again. But I was reminded even in that moment that it was together that we found our way home. It was together, choosing to love one another, choosing to forgive me and lead as we walked, that we found our way home. And I believe the invitation for you and for me today is to choose the way of freedom, to choose the way of love, in the name of Jesus, in his presence, by his spirit, and we will find our way home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your Son and your Spirit. And I pray that you would show us what it is to live as people of influence, to live as those who offer your love and hope to others. Help us each find our way home even now. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for joining us this weekend. You know, as we just sang, when God moves, things change. Lives are transformed, communities are restored. And next weekend, we have an opportunity right here at this site to gather as a church family to celebrate the ways God is moving in and through the lives of his people. You see, for years, we as a church family have gathered right here at the Backwater Gambler site behind the Rock Island campus to celebrate and to bear witness to hundreds of people stepping into the waters of baptism, declaring that Jesus has transformed their life, that he has made them free to live. And this is something that we look forward to as a church family every single summer. And this year is no different. And so I wanna invite you next Sunday, July 12th at 10 a.m. to gather with us right here as we celebrate what God is doing in the lives of those who will step into the waters of baptism. And you know, you may be in a place this weekend where, where you profess that Jesus is your savior and your Lord, but you've never taken that next step of obedience to step into the waters of baptism. And I want you to know today that that is your next step. And the good news is, is it's not too late for you to jump in and to take part in this opportunity next Sunday. And so I invite you, if you're in that space or you wanna have conversation around what that could look like and to be a part of that, to get on our Church Center app or online at heritageqc.com and you can register there. And in the coming week, one of our pastoral team members will reach out to you to have a conversation. What would it look like for you to jump in to the waters of baptism next Sunday? So if you wanna be baptized, you need to take that step to register. But if you're in a place today where you're just saying, hey, I wanna come and celebrate what God is doing in the lives of those who are taking this step, you can just show up, be here by 10 a.m. and come ready to celebrate what God is doing in and amongst our family. And as we prepare to celebrate next weekend, I wanna share with you a recap video of our celebration last summer. And as you watch this, understand it's gonna look a little bit different this year. There'll be less people in the water, less people in the stands, but it is no less impactful because we are celebrating the life change, the way God is moving in his people. And so I invite you to check this video out and come next week ready to celebrate what our God is doing in, our, in and through our family.